Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 173, week 173, volume 173, number fucking 173. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Andrew of Carcosa, and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's kick off with a bit of feedback, a bit of questions, a bit of what's been going on. Got a five-star rating and review on iTunes this week by Johnny666Beast. Basically, to sum it up, he has given us a glowing review. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the rating and review. Just thank you for finding out about the show. Really appreciate it. That kind of stuff is invaluable to getting the show out to more listeners. You're a fucking legend, Johnny. Thank you so very, very much. So enough of the ramblings, enough of the jibber-jabber. Let's get into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down with Andrew of Carcosa. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So the first thing is... Andrew is from Carcosa. Now, as you may or may not be aware, we had Andrew's band member and mate, Johnny, just a couple episodes ago. So for those who haven't heard it yet, make sure after this episode you go back and listen to that chat as well. Now, Andrew is someone who's not only a talented musician, but he is an absolute wizard on the YouTube. He's been putting out content on YouTube for around 10 years now, and the stuff he does is up there with the best you'll find with music content on YouTube. Now, musically, he was in a band called Galactic Pegasus, which formed and morphed into Carcosa. Carcosa have been active since 2019-2020. They have one EP titled Absinthe, And they're about to release their new album, Anthology, which comes out August 19th. Stylistically, Carcosa really are deathcore, but I don't mean that in a negative way, and don't take it in a negative way. This band is forward-thinking, progressive, exciting, and just one of those acts that you need to get into now before they blow up. Really great act, really exciting stuff. Now, Andrew was exciting, in-depth, relaxed, an outstanding guest for the show. I'm absolutely stoked on this chat. I hope you are too. That chat with Andrew is coming up now. So everyone gets the same start-off question, and it's do you remember an artist or a band that kind of opened your world to music existing? So I always give my example that... I was five years old. I don't know why, but Aerosmith was like my obsession. Okay. For like two years, I was obsessed with Aerosmith. But was there a band for you that you don't know why, but you got into at a very young age? Um, hmm. I don't remember getting into one at a young age. I feel like I kind of didn't really know or care about music until I was maybe like 13 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have been Linkin Park for me. Uh, which is the same reason I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And yeah, I don't know, just hearing Linkin Park for for the first time was kind of the, I mean, it was mine and a lot of people's like gateway band is, is I think what people call it into metal. 
So they're usually the ones that I always think back to as being like the first band I was a fan of, you know what I mean? So what about music in the household? Was music prevalent? Like, did your parents play music? Did you have anyone in the family that was a player of an instrument? Uh, no, not at all, actually. Um, my dad just listens to like talk radio, <laughs> which <laughs> I guess now ironically is kind of what podcasting is to, to some extent, except way more interesting. Um, and my mom just listens to like, you know, top 40 radio, like whatever happened to be on at the time. But yeah, neither of them play an instrument or necessarily or really care about music. Um, you know, like they have bands or, or artists they like, but they're not like fans in the sense that you know you know how metal fans are right like mm. they're obsessed with every little detail um yeah they weren't really like that for for any music as far as i'm aware of at least now lincoln park you know whether people like to admit it or not it was a very accessible band i was a big fan oh, yeah. as well but i mean there there was and you know to an extent i use brackets still is a sense of aggression in that music that not everyone was drawn to do you think back at to why you might have gravitated to something like Linkin Park at that age? Hmm. Oh, I don't really know. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when I started listening to them would have been around Meteora. So that mm -hmm. was when they still had a little bit of screaming in there, you know. Um, and I think it was probably like numb or something like that it was all over the radio at the time, which is one of their lighter songs. But he does kind of have that like, uh, what do you what do you call it like the gravelly like yelling kind of singing it's not really screaming but it's almost there and that was kind of the first time I had heard something like that and for whatever reason I just thought it sounded super super cool and then you know of course down the rabbit hole years later the that just evolved into listening to screaming music gradually like next up was you know system of a down and they had like a little bit more screaming and then slipknot and then we got to deathcore eventually <laughs> And then eventually <laughs> we found ourselves in the core, which we all do. Exactly. Um, but, you know, what about, you know, Linkin Park and this era of System of a Down was, you know, on radio, it was on TV. Mm -hmm. So where were you, you know, finding your kind of niche for finding music? Was it all what you were seeing and hearing on TV and radio or did you start getting into magazines? Did you, cause this is also the birth of internet. So were you getting on the right. internet? What were you like with finding music? Yeah. A lot of my early uh, days were pretty much just based off of like whatever my, my high school friend at the time was showing me cause he was already into it. I unfortunately don't actually know how he got into it, but he was the one that started showing me all these bands I actually hated it at first, especially System of a Down. I vividly remember when BYOB came out, he was like super excited and he, you know, played it nonstop on his, I don't know, however he had it, like iTunes or something. And I was like, dude, this is the most annoying fucking song <laughs> I've ever heard. Like, you know, Serge's vocals are, are very weird. Obviously now I love them, but at the time, the first time you hear that, like, why they always at the bar? Like that as the <laughs> intro, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so I hated it at first, but then he kept playing it over and over and over. And then, you know, certain parts like the chorus, like the everybody's gone, like that part started getting really catchy. And I don't know, it just kind of evolved into there. And then, since he was the one who I learned about that song through, 
you know, I hung out with him all the time and he would be playing other stuff on his, whatever he was using, probably, I'm pretty sure it would have been like iTunes or some like bootleg website he found. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he was really the one who got me into the music and he showed me a lot of those early bands, which was mostly new metal. Um, And then from there, once I started getting into it, it was really mostly like internet based, I want to say. there was like a local radio station who's still around today and they play like hard rock. So there was like a few bands on there, but they didn't really go into metal too much. Um, and then there was a TV show in Canada called much loud, uh, on much music, which was like, you know, our version of MTV or whatever. Um, and that was on for like an hour once a week or something. And that was like the only time you could see metal music videos. So I would also watch that and then if a music video came on and I liked it, I would then, you know, go search it up on Google or whatever the fuck and find them after the fact. What was your family like, you know, with you not only <laughs> listening to this music, um, but also starting to get in guitar kind of music? Were they for it, against it? Were they kind of just like, oh, my God, my son's going through a phase? Like, what were they like? <laughs> I think it was mostly against it at least that's how I feel in the beginning um I was also raised Catholic so Mm. that was another thing where they were kind of like this is crazy and kind of evil sounding (laughs) um but with that being said they also did buy me my first guitar so it's a little bit of both um like I think they liked that I was into guitar as a hobby and they wanted to encourage that, but the music that I chose to play, they didn't necessarily like. So it was kind of like a weird middle ground in the beginning. Um, I definitely remember when I started listening to Slipknot in particular, I, you know, I would have listened to it somewhere where my mom could hear and she heard it and was like, this is way too heavy. Like, please don't listen to this or anything heavier than this. And of course that just made me want to listen to it even more. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it was, it was a weird combination of them, like encouraging the hobby, but also kind of wanting me to not necessarily play this type of music. But now, I mean, it's completely different. They're both very supportive, but yeah, it definitely took a little while for them to (laughs) kind of understand what I was doing. And fair enough, it is pretty crazy hearing stuff like that for the first time, I'm sure would be quite jarring for, you know, parents who listen to talk radio in the top forties, right? <laughs> I also remember the first time. Yeah, you know, I think I was I was about eighteen when that debut from Slipknot came out. I remember playing it oh, in yeah. the car when I was learning to drive. I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. This range, my mum panicked. My mum panicked. <laughs> she hated it. So Slipknot was the band that I think wouldn't have helped. Definitely wouldn't have helped. Yeah. I feel like that's the same for a lot of people, myself included, but it's funny that you say that because would that have been like the self-titled album? Yeah, very first one, yeah. Okay, so that was like the heavy shit. Like, I think when I started listening to them, it was still, it would have been like volume three was the first thing I heard. So that was when they were, you know, they had their clean choruses and stuff like that and stuff like, um, oh, what's the song? Vermillion? Duality, right? Like, Yeah, Duality and there's, Verm- is it Vermilion or Vermillion? Yep. Yeah, yeah, Vermilion. Yeah. And uh, Before I Forget were the big three from that one. So those ones are, you know, they're heavy, definitely heavier than System or Linkin Park, but they're still not that heavy by by today's standard, if you want to if you want to call it that. But, you know, for a 13-year-old kid, <laughs> I guess, whose parents have never heard metal before, it was probably still pretty extreme sounding. <laughs> now, you mentioned, you know, very fortunate that your parents 
you know gave you know gave you your first guitar and yeah, any anyone that might know you or may not know you you're clearly someone that has now gained a lot of experience um, and lessons and just you know your guitar skills are second to none where oh, thank you. where did you start like was it with the guitar did you just start sitting in your room playing along to bands like Linkin Park or were you a kid that sounded out and looked out for lessons like what was your starting off point like with the guitar yeah so again going back to the same friend in high school like uh, before i even had a guitar he had his own guitar and he showed me how to play um a riff from like system of a down and lincoln park and stuff like that on his guitar because he just had you know guitar tabs he found somewhere under his bed and that's how i learned like my first songs was on his guitar uh, and that's what made me want one. And then once my parents gave me one, I was pretty lucky in the sense that I already had a friend who like knew where to find guitar tabs and stuff like that. So I definitely spent a lot of time on like ultimateguitar.com if if anyone knows what that is. Um, and yeah, that's, I, I would say like 90% of my time was spent just looking at tabs of bands and songs that I liked and just trying to play them and cover them. Um, I did like kind of go to guitar lessons, but I, I still kind of regret it to this day because I purposely told the guy who was teaching me to not teach me guitar theory because I <laughs> didn't think it was fun. And I was like, yeah, just show me like techniques and that's all I want to know. And I could tell he was like, dude, this is a terrible fucking idea, but he did it anyways. And now here I am. I still don't know anything about music theory all these years later, but uh, hey, I guess it worked out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really where it all started for me. And honestly, I still kind of feel like I do really the same thing where it's mostly focused on learning songs from other artists, um, whether that be like by guitar tabs or by learning by ear. Um, yeah, that's just always the way I've preferred to learn because I find it way more fun having like a piece of music by the end of practicing that you actually enjoy listening to and you're not just sitting there playing like a fucking scale or something like that, you know? Yeah, I think it's also interesting with <clears throat> learning an instrument, um, especially something like guitar, what was your like, you know, when you picked up the guitar initially, who did you look at and say, if I can be like person X, then I'm achieving it? You know, who was yours? Right. I mean, honestly, I think it was really Brad Delson from Linkin Park and Darren Malakian from System of a Down and uh, uh, Mick Thompson from Slipknot. For I remember those three being like my my first guitar heroes, if you will, which I know is, again, a weird thing because I'm sure most people would say, you know, the, the more classic ones like, like Van Halen or something like that. But for me, I don't know, man, it was just always new metal was was my starting point so those three even though you know with that being said it's not like the, any of their riffs are necessarily that hard but for a kid who knows nothing about guitar I, I certainly thought it was crazy at the time so yeah those were my three that I was like man if if I could ever play like you know Mick or or uh, Darren or whatever then hell yeah I'm gonna make it <laughs> <laughs> well then you know compare it to now you know who do you look around now and when you see them do something, it pushes you and motivates you to, you know, improve and push yourself. Who do you look at nowadays? Um, hmm. Well, it, it's kind of weird now because there's like a whole other level of guitar god, if you mm. will, that 
to me like almost seems like unattainable like for example you know the guys from polyphia or animals as leaders tosin um you know misha from periphery stuff like that where i i love their music but i also look at their music and i'm like i don't understand how i could possibly ever do that um so for me like as much as i appreciate and and love that music i more so gravitate towards um the guitarists who focus more on on songwriting for people who aren't necessarily musicians mm -hmm. so you know for example what some of my big ones i'd say were you know justin lowe from after the burial rest in peace to him mm -hmm. um as well as diego from volumes again unfortunately rest in peace uh you know or the guys from Mashuga, um stuff like that where their music is still it's certainly not easy but it also still is catchy and fun to play and listen to whereas for some of the stuff that's really proggy i i i i like listening to it because i play guitar but i do think there's like a almost like a barrier of entry to listening to where it's like unless you're a guitarist you're not necessarily going to appreciate it as much mm -hmm. so i don't know for some reason i've just always liked the the other guys who while still being amazing guitarists are also writing songs that anyone can listen to you know what i mean yeah i think you know i completely agree i think that sometimes um what deters people from the progressive you know i don't like the phrase gent but it is basically sure. gent um mm -hmm. so but it is quite a quite a list there that you rattle off um you know you've got a fair few guitars that are pretty snazzy looking very progressive looking <laughs> yourself so definitely um coming back a little bit to high school you know, where are you at with your passion and your career path in high school? Because a lot of kids, when they're in high school, they're told you need to know what you want to do. You need to know your career. But mm -hmm. what are you going through in high school? Are you only looking at music as a thing or are you kind of looking at other things as other avenues for your life? Um, well, honestly, I don't think I really was considering music as a career at all in high school. Um I, I played guitar and, you know, I, I always viewed it as a hobby or as a just for fun thing. Um, but I know that, you know, with the advent of YouTube, ironically, which I think came out when I was, you know, 16 or 17 or something like that. So near the end of high school, um, I was interested in guitar and I was interested in making videos mm -hmm. before YouTube existed. And once YouTube came out, I was kind of like, oh, shit, well you know, here's a way that you can, or, or I can do both of my hobbies at the same time. That's awesome. Um, Cause I was always the kid that would like get really excited in high school when there was any kind of video project. I was always like, fuck yeah, don't <laughs> worry guys. Like I'll do literally all the work as long as we can do the video option, just cause I want to make it happen. Um, I don't know, for whatever reason, I love making videos and also playing guitar. Um, but, you know, with that being said, YouTube also at the time when it was invented was certainly not a career choice. It was mm. just a thing to do for fun. So I still didn't really think of guitar or making videos as a career path, but I knew I wanted to do something with, you know, computers. So um, I thought maybe like something to do with computer science or video game design was what I wanted to do when I was mm. in high school. Um, which would have been an awesome career path. And I certainly tried. Um, I ended up going to university for computing science <laughs> for, I think, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I 
definitely was not doing well, <laughs> let's just say. So, you know, I tried that and I just realized it clearly wasn't interesting to me because I was failing out basically. And um, I ended up changing my, my university path to be something called interactive art technology, which was essentially more like design and video work. Um, and then I ended up graduating with a Bachelor of Arts in that. And, you know, that's kind of like the foundation, I guess, for for why I know how to do what I do. But even, or sorry, even when I was in university, I'd always remembered, like, no matter what was going on in school, I always cared more about what was happening with, like, my YouTube channel or my music because I was doing this all at the same time. So like, let's say I got an A on a project in school. I was like, oh, that's cool, I got an A. But if I got like a million views on a, on a video on YouTube, I was like exponentially way more excited about that. <laughs> um, so again, you know, as time went on, then, you know, YouTubers, I guess, became a thing. And that's when I started to realize like, oh shit, you can actually make a living off of, you know, making your own videos and not working for a company or making videos for someone else like maybe I can somehow turn this into making my own content and actually being able to make a living off of it and that's kind of what led me to where I am now <laughs> so you know it's interesting you mentioned YouTube because you know I wanted to find out how long it had been going on so I went through the massive fucking oh, yeah. scroll yeah. <laughs> um 10 years dude so we're looking back quite a bit like you said during high school um you know we're on a bit of a youtube tangent so we'll go there for a little bit um you know when you first start out and what a lot of your content overall can be is you know covers or gear tech um or gear Mm -hmm. tech talk you know at the start you're obviously just loading up videos for fun and kind of seeing as you go but have you noticed, um, kind of very similar to music, have you noticed the ebbs and flows and what does work and what doesn't work? Or is a lot of it now you kind of have to test the waters instead of knowing ahead of time? Um, it, it's, it kind of goes both ways, honestly. So, I mean, if you look through my catalog, like you can clearly see points in time where I found a format that worked. And I was like, oh, shit, this works. So I just fucking beat it to death and did it over and over and over again. Um, and I have no problem admitting that. Like, for example, the the whole, like, Tunes Down series was literally just taking other bands' music and playing it, but lower. I was like, this is so easy, and people love watching it. So, and, and it gets lots of views, so I just kept doing it. But, you know, as with everything so far in my YouTube career, at least, like, eventually the interest fades and dies and then I have to kind of move on to finding a new thing. So it's a little bit of both where there are some periods of time where I'm like, Oh, this is working right now. So I'm going to go really hard at it. And then sometimes where I'm like, okay, this isn't working anymore. I have to find what my next topic is, if you will. Um, And even like right now, I feel like is kind of a weird phase where I'm in that, that, ebb if you will Mm -hmm. uh, where I'm kind of like in between two things like I had I had the tune down thing that was working really well for a few years and then ever since then I've been kind of just doing like a lot of different types of content right now and trying to find what my next uh, you know bigger video series is so it's it's a little bit of both honestly I wish that I knew ahead of time oh if I make this video 
it'll definitely get views. But honestly, that's more often than not, it, it's really not the case. A lot of the time I am just making videos and kind of hoping for the best, which is weird to say, because like you said, I've been doing this for like 10 years. And there are certainly some YouTubers who have, I guess, figured it out where they just always get a consistently high view count. But for whatever reason, I have not cracked that code. So I'm a little bit of both where I'm guessing, but if I find something that works, I just go, go hard at it. <laughs> well, I also think something you need to give yourself credit for is not a lot of YouTubers can say that they've been doing it for 10 years. It's a very, mm. very rare thing. Um, I think in the last, let's say five years, maybe less, we've seen a lot more people come into the avenue, but I feel that's because a lot of people see it as a way to A or B become famous or make some revenue. Yeah. So definitely. for you, you've kind of been in there from the groundwork. Have you noticed, um, did you notice, sorry, uh, when suddenly YouTube became a big thing? Did you notice a spike in, you know, comments and views? Did you notice a real time frame when YouTube was suddenly not a rare thing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I always feel like around 2014-ish, for some reason, felt like a big shift. Um for many reasons, I think that was kind of around the time when people started to take YouTubers seriously, if you will. Like, I remember before that, it was very like, oh, you're a YouTuber? Like, that's so cringe, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Which is ironic, because that's the same way people treat TikTok right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, it was also very looked down upon for a time. And then for whatever reason, something shifted. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, oh, shit. You know, maybe it was because they realized they could make money or become famous, like you said, but all of a sudden it was treated way more seriously. And lots of people who didn't have YouTube channels were all of a sudden, you know, kind of kind of chasing to to go do it ASAP. And, you know, some of them were super successful and some weren't, right? Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, I feel like around 2013, 14 was was that time frame. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It got way more competitive, which obviously was kind of unfortunate for, for me because before that there wasn't nearly as many people making, uh, you know, guitar cover videos or, or whatever I was doing at that point in time. And then I was like, ah, oh, shit, now there's like 50 people doing the same thing as I am. So how am I going to stand out? You know what I mean? Well, it's also, um, you can put links between like the YouTube um, industry per se to the music industry you know, a lot of it is also about staying relevant staying in the eye and also not mm -hmm. wearing out your welcome so you've obviously also learned a lot of things in both industries that has kind of worked to your advantage would you say yeah I definitely agree it's kind of goes back to what I was just talking about where every few years I feel like I have to kind of almost refresh or change the main type of content I'm doing um, otherwise people just lose interest and stop watching. Well, I mean, you know, anyone here that's listening who hasn't yet, you got to get on there. Um, it's definitely worthwhile. And, you know, it's, I'll come to one later, but, you know, you're also a band that you forward think, um, and you've already mentioned it, things like TikTok and your social media and your marketing in general. I think there's a lot of lessons that I think young bands or even seasoned bands can take off people like yourself and Johnny and what you're doing with Carcosa. So, um, you know, YouTube, what you do is amazing. Um, last thing on YouTube, do you think this is something you'll forever want to do, even if you're not pumping out consistent, like, 
all the time content, do you think you'll always put out some content? So that's something I've been thinking about more recently. Um, you know, with my fiance and I buying a house and moving there, I was kind of, when we're, when we're renovating, I was thinking like, okay, well, am I going to be doing YouTube videos forever? And the answer still is kind of, I, I don't really know. Hmm. And I still don't think anyone really knows because as, as old as YouTube is, it still is very new, right? Like the industry is really like probably less than 10 years old since it was actually profitable. So I don't really know. Um, I've kind of been trying to future proof myself in a way. So basically with, with the new house we bought, you know, I, I'm purposely making like my basement into both the recording studio and the area where I make YouTube videos. So my thought process was, look, if this YouTube thing ever stops working, or if I just decide I don't want to do it for some reason, in theory, I also have a fully functional studio so I can just switch over to maybe recording bands or filming other people instead who do still want to make YouTube videos. So at this point in time, I don't have any plans on quitting, but I kind of, I guess, set myself up to have the option to stop doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's just fucking smart, man. That's really fucking <laughs> smart. Uh, you, I try. Yeah, you gotta be, man. Look, that shows, you know, like I said, giving props to what you see that you do with the band, that just in saying what you're doing there is just very smart and it's not resting on your laurels. Um, is a mm -hmm. way of putting it. Um, so props to you, man. Whatever you keep doing, don't do. Um, you clearly got your head screwed on, um, which is sexy yeah. to see. Um, now let's come back to, you know, you're in high school, you got some YouTube going, you're getting into music. When did you mm -hmm. start getting out into quote unquote, a live setting? Like when did you start going out and seeing gigs in your area? Right. Um, I think the first band I ever saw live, which is hilarious, was actually Evanescence. Wait. <laughs> um, they and Stone Sour opened for them, which was actually pretty cool in retrospect. But that was like the first show I ever saw. And I think it was just like a friend in high school had tickets for free for some reason. And we were just like, fuck, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, I, I don't really consider that like my introduction to the actual scene. Um, I think of that more as like, when I started seeing other local bands, because that's like a whole different world than going to see, you know, bigger bands on on stages is when you go to those like little venues and, and see your friends bands or people you don't even know. And, it, you know, that's how you really learn about like what's going on in your city. Um, and I think that would have been right after high school for me. So this would have been like 2011, 2010, something like that. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the, I, I guess that's why when I met like the promoter who was putting on shows at the time and I started to meet like other people who were in other local bands and stuff like that. Cause at that time I was just a guy making YouTube videos. Like I didn't have a band or anything like that. And that's kind of how I started meeting some of the people that would then join my first band. And, you know, luckily for me, I had already been putting videos on YouTube. So some people locally already knew who I was, which was really fucking trippy the first time that happened. <laughs> um, but, you know, I had already kind of like released like one or two pretty shitty, mind you, uh, original songs that I had just wrote by myself. And, you know, I met people at these local shows who were like, hey, I heard your song. You know, if you're ever interested in making it into a band, like, let me know. I would be interested in playing. And 
I still was kind of like, ah, yeah, maybe that'd be cool, but I don't know. And then I remember the local promoter at the time asked me if I wanted to open one of her shows. And I was like, well, I literally can't because I'm just me. Like, that would be fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, what am I going to do? Stand on stage with a guitar by myself and, like, play to a backtrack? Like, no, I'm not going to do that. But now that I had that idea in my mind of playing, I was like, ah, well, that would be a lot of fun. I just can't do it because of my situation. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I should make a band. Maybe I should try finding people that want to play this, and then I can actually play shows. And uh, yeah, long story short, that's kind of why I started was just because I was asked to play a show and I was like, oh, that would be fun, I guess. And, <laughs> and then I made it into an actual band. And obviously we changed a lot over the years, but that's where it all started. <laughs> you, you mentioned something which is, I think is also vital that, and, and a vital step in your development with music was the sense of community, you know, making networks, making connections um, when you're kind of this is happening and you're finding that live shows are you know exciting to go to but exciting because you get to hang out with mates and see friends mm-hmm. and all this stuff what about the bands like local bands were were there local bands in your area that you could look to and say well that band is getting outside of Canada so maybe being in a band could be something that's possible yeah, I mean, definitely. The two that come to mind right away, uh, neither of them are active anymore, mind you, but they were a band called Between Seas and another band called Take the Earth Beneath Us. And they were the two that were the most similar to the type of music that I wanted to play. You know, Take the Earth Beneath Us was like metalcore, and Between Seas was basically gent. So I was like, wow, that's exactly what I want at the time. <clears throat> so it was just cool to see that like other people in my area even listened to the same music as me, because to be completely honest with you, I actually went to those first shows completely alone. Cause I didn't really have any friends at the time. Uh, Cause some shit happened in high school that I won't go into now, but I basically was tired of sitting around at home completely alone. And I was like, fuck, I got to do something. Cause this, this sucks. Um, so I literally went to those first few shows by myself because I was like, I just want to do something. And that's kind of how I ended up starting to meet people in the scene. And if I hadn't have done that, I don't really know if I ever would have been in a band or anything. So I'm glad I did that, even though it was very, very, very awkward and uncomfortable to do. Um, I feel you, man. Like I uh, used to go to, you know, I moved to Australia when I was about 17, nearly 18. I was the same, man. I used to go out to shows by myself. And this is when you used to have mobiles. And I don't know if you did this. But I'd be there by myself, and then I'd think people were looking at me standing there in between bands. You know, you're waiting for the second band to start or third band or whatever it is. Right. And I'd just get out my phone and play Snake on it to make it look <laughs> like I was messaging someone waiting for him to turn right, up. Right, yeah. And it was a thing. Like, you, ha- you anyone listening, if you don't feel like you have a friend group, but you still want to attend live music, you got to get out there. Like, it, it is painful. Yeah. It is hard. But... Yep. People like you and myself, eventually you meet people by chance, by accident. Um, so it can yeah, be rewarding. Definitely. Well, I'm sure I don't, I think Johnny told me that he mentioned something like this on his episode as well, where that's kind of how he met me, right? Is he mm. just went to a show and I happened to be there and now look at all the shit we've done, right? It's, it's important. Um, you gotta, you know, yeah. it, and I, I think also for anyone listening though, it isn't easy to step out of your comfort zone and going no, to definitely not. Going to a show by yourself is outside of your comfort zone, um, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, it's it's great that you know 
whatever you were going through, you were able to still get out and be amongst music. It was obviously very yeah. important to you. Definitely. Um, and then, yeah, same with, you know, shout out to the promoter who asked me to play the show because before that I still wasn't even really thinking about it. So it was a combination of forcing myself to do things that I didn't necessarily want to do and were uncomfortable, like going to the shows alone and also the, you know, fortunate uh, things like being asked to play that made me kind of reevaluate what I actually wanted. So definitely a little bit of both, a little bit of luck, but uh, also definitely a little bit of just pushing myself to try new shit, I guess. And the band that you're talking about is Galactic Pegasus. Yes, my first band. Um, Yeah, so that would have been how that band started, basically. And, uh, you know, we went through a lot of iterations and changes over the years. um, And then eventually, you know, met up with Johnny in 2015, I think. And, yeah, him and uh, Cooper was also in Galactic Pegasus with me. Um, and then later down the line, Travis started drumming, drumming for us. And then when it was the four of us, we kind of were like, why are we still using the Galactic Pegasus name? Like, this is <laughs> nothing like what it sounded like in the beginning. Like, you know, at that point, we were basically already kind of writing Deathcore and moving away from trying to write like progressive, you know, gent or whatever. So we were just like, why are we using the same name if this isn't even the same band? Um, and then, you know, we that's one of the the many reasons we decided to eventually start Carcosa and yeah, now here we are. <laughs> with um with Galactic, one thing, you know, Johnny said, which, you know, I had to look back and see and something that was interesting was I don't think some listeners may realize, but everything you released up till the final um, EP was musically different. You guys clearly yeah. were, <laughs> you know, you were clearly learning as you go, developing your songwriting skills. But, you know, coming into like around 2015 when Johnny joined, you had, you know, the first two yep. EPs. Were you a band that was getting traction and attention in your local circuit? Like, were you gaining a bit of fan base? Or was it um, kind of a situation that a lot of people can connect with where it was really just going through the yards and trying to just test things as you go? Um, It was a little bit of both. So for Mirages was definitely more when we were very much just guessing what we were doing and just trying shit. And some of it worked, some of it didn't. Um, But for Pariah, I don't remember how or why this happened, but for some reason there was like a decent amount of hype for that EP um, and when we released it, it actually did like, you know, really well, at least for our standards at the time. Um, and yeah, around that time when we played shows, they were always like pretty good. And we went on like a cross Canada tour with Black Tongue and Life Forms and Villains. Uh, I guess they're now known as Youth Forever. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, and that was like our, our kind of like big opportunity with pariah and gp at the time and that was a lot of fun but after pariah we ended up parting ways with our bassist and drummer and then that's when johnny joined and then we kind of like changed our music style completely again and it just ended up being kind of weird and we had like a bunch of like situations that were kind of out of our control where it took us I think like two years between Pariah and the next album to actually release it so 
like we weren't playing shows and we didn't have new music so by the time we finally like released something again all of a sudden everything was different like nobody really cared anymore uh, way less people were coming to our shows and we were just like weren't really getting good opportunities anymore and we were kind of just like fuck uh what do we do but you know with me especially you know it was my baby like my project i started so i was like well i don't want to give up on it so we kept pushing and just trying 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 and it felt like every year that passed it actually somehow was getting worse even though the music online was doing better like we were getting more streams more views more whatever but the actual shows were worse every time like less people coming i mean and that was definitely another big like demotivational factor of why we were slowly losing interest in the project is it was like it just kind of felt like nobody really cared anymore and then i don't know about you but if you're ever in a project where you're putting out music to people that don't seem to care it 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 affects you man like it mm. makes you mm-hmm. it makes it way harder for you to also care because you're just kind of like for lack of a better word you feel like why are we bothering or why are we even doing this um and then in addition to that, we we also had changed our sound like five times. So we were just like, why don't we just start a new project with the current sound we have? Because this is clearly what the four of us like, but just start from scratch with an actual clear vision and goal in mind um, instead of what we did in GP because it was my first band. We just were like figuring shit out as we went. Um, yeah. Well, when when, you know, that feeling going on of, you know, nobody cares, but, you know, it is your baby. You can understand why you pushed it for for so long and kept persisting with it. When you, you know, 2019-ish, I think it was the end of 2019, you released the Mm -hmm. Rest in Peace GP EP. um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Bit of a mouthful unto itself. Um, Yeah. Was it a, you know, you obviously are saying that Carcosa was already starting to develop in the background, but, you know, stopping playing and making music for your baby did that you know did that leave an empty hole for a while did you feel disappointed did you feel you know understandably dejected in any way um i feel like we or i felt more like that honestly during when we were still active and it wasn't going well that's when i felt more negative about it but i didn't feel too upset when we finally decided to to pull the plug if you will because it wasn't like we were giving up on music or anything like that like we already knew look it's going to be the exact same four people and we're still going to play music we're still going to write we're still going to do everything i think it would have felt a lot worse if we were stopping that band and i had like no idea what i was doing next i probably would have been kind of devastated but luckily you know, we we already know we already knew going forward. We were like, okay, yes, this band is ending, but we already have a plan for what's next. So, by the time we finally ended up playing our last show, I I mean, yes, I was sad and like it was uh, a bittersweet moment, if you will, because I was very very excited for Carcosa, and nobody knew Carcosa existed at that point in time except for us, because we had already had the whole Absent EP done by the time we played our final GP show but we just didn't tell anyone. So on the one hand, I was really excited because I was like, oh man, all these people here are going to be fucking shocked when we release our new thing. But also I was like, oh, it's weird as fuck that some of these songs we've been playing for seven years or whatever that we're never going to play again. So it was definitely weird, but I wouldn't say I was too sad. I was more 
I definitely was more excited than sad is, is I guess what I'm trying to say here. Well, I think also something that the lessons um, and mistakes that you've made through Galactic, you were able to bring into Carcosa because when you guys oh, yeah. finally kind of come out of the woodwork with the absent EP, um, it seems like the focus, and I'm not saying Galactic wasn't focused, but it seems like the focus with Carcosa is a lot more like we're determined as fuck. We know what we're going to achieve yeah. and we're not going to make mistakes X, Y, and Z. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm thankful for everything we did in GP for, obviously it was a lot of fun, but also I learned so much about being in a band and being a musician that you just need to learn that stuff. And like, yes, there are some people out there who whose first band explodes and that's the band they're in forever. But more often than not, people have more than one project, right? Like you have to figure that shit out or make those mistakes eventually. Some people are lucky and they can, you know, work their way around it and make the project still work. But more often than not, I think it's pretty common that your first band doesn't work out and you use the mistakes you learned to make something better, hopefully the next time around, right? So you know, it, we learned so much through that project and there are so many things that I wish we never did. And now with Carcosa, I know we're not going to do it because we know it from the beginning. Right. And at the time we were younger and didn't know any better. Yeah. I think also something that's really interesting and exciting about what you're doing with Carcosa is the style of music, you know, at before you guys you know, started coming around with the absent EP. To be honest, about five years ago, deathcore was a dirty word. Nobody wanted to yeah. say it. Um, it became a word that people started using very similar to the way they used new metal. Um, mm -hmm. Bands were even trying to distance themselves from the phrase deathcore. Bands, you know, yeah. saying we're not deathcore. But you guys are one of those bands now that's at the rebirth, and I mean that in mm -hmm. a good way, of this sound um, and when you came out with Absent, did you notice at a time that suddenly, you know, there was a kind of excitement around this sound, no longer a displeasure around the sound? Yeah, I mean, that was honestly just a really, like, happy accident. Like, we certainly didn't know when we started Carcosa that Deathcore would, for some reason, make a revival. Um I don't really know why that happens still. I mean, there's definitely a few bands that we can pinpoint that are kind of killing it right now, but, you know, we definitely didn't anticipate that we would somehow be right on the cusp of this, this bigger like boom in deathcore, um, which I'm super fucking happy for. And that was just like a, a very, very lucky coincidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we definitely weren't shy about saying we were deathcore from the beginning and, it's just like what we all enjoyed listening to at the time. Like we all noticed that we had stopped listening to a lot of the more like gent oriented bands that we used to like, and we were starting to listen to heavier stuff again and, you know, rediscovering some of those older bands material. Like, you know, when I was in high school, I loved Suicide Silence and Whitechapel. And even those bands, like they went through that phase, like you were saying, where, they kind of seemed like they were distancing themselves from deathcore, but then they started making heavier music again. And it was just like, Oh, okay. I don't know. Kind of made us want to want to do that again. Um, and um, I forgot where I was going with this, but yeah, basically, you know, I don't know. I just feel really lucky that that deathcore is, is now 
seems to be popular again i don't really know why but you know fucking big shout out to like brand of sacrifice and lorna shore and bands like that that are just like destroying right now and helping everyone in the genre well it is i think the other thing is that a lot of the bands within the overall genre and i include yourselves in this is that you aren't finding a lot of bands that are doing the same thing with their deathcore. Everyone is throwing their spice into it, making it a little bit different. Um, now, when you come to writing not only Absinthe, Absinthe, but also Anthology, which we'll come to, do you mm-hmm. find that you're, are you paying attention to what's going on around you or are you just trying to stay in your lane and not let too much influence seep into your writing process? Um, I think we definitely are influenced by the bands that we see around us. I have no shame in saying that, definitely. Um, you know, like some of the big ones for us, especially are bands like Brand of Sacrifice and Humanity's Last Breath. Mm. They're usually the two that I personally think of the most as being influential on us um, in terms of like both a writing process and honestly also from like a marketing and branding perspective as well um and a lot of people tell us we sound like chelsea grin which is very interesting to me because i never thought about that while we were writing absent but as soon as somebody said that like when we released our first song a plague you know there was comments all over that being like wow this sounds like chelsea grin and i took that as a compliment because i fucking i love chelsea grin but it was just one of those weird things where as soon as someone said it, I was like, oh, yeah, we totally take influence from them. It's just not, for some reason, not a band I thought of when listing my influences, if you will. But, yeah, I mean, with all that being said, yes, we definitely take influence from from what bands are doing. And, like, another really good example is um, uh, Left to Suffer, right? Like, mm-hmm. they don't do the same thing as the other bands I mentioned. They take more of like a new metal influenced deathcore approach, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting, man. Like you're hearing a lot of bands right now that were, you know, they were like kids when I was a kid. So they probably also got into metal through Linkin Park, System of a Down, Corn, whatever. And now that they're older and they're in bands, that first influence is kind of also influencing their new music. And I would say it's kind of the same for us. And even to go a little bit farther, you know, we were in our, you know, gent project for so long that we also have, I would say at least, definitely some like gent influence in our deathcore. So we definitely take influence from all across the board. And I'm sure like everyone in the band has their own personal influences. Um, But we're definitely always paying attention to what other bands are doing. Um, I know some people like to stay in a vacuum and do everything just on their own but I don't know I'm personally not like that like I said at the very beginning of this podcast right like my favorite thing in the world to do is to learn covers of other people's music so of course I'm paying attention to what other people are doing because I want to <laughs> learn what they're doing and potentially if I like it enough you know see if I can make it work in context of what we're doing too I also think it's important because it keeps the the genre and bands in themselves on their toes because if you see um, a band like Brand of Sacrifice, for example, release that absolutely killer album that they mm-hmm. did, you know, it sets a bar and the motivation oh, the motivation within the, the genre is then, well, I want to better that. Not, not necessarily I want to replicate it, but I want to better mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. And I think that's why the genre has become so popular again, is it is exciting again. 
Yeah. And it's, again, even to go back to what I was saying earlier, it kind of, it's weird because especially in Carcosa's music, like we actually have like a lot of traditional song structures, which is something that Johnny in particular is really good at, um, which is fucking kind of weird because like a lot of our songs have choruses and verses, which I remember like at least Deathcore when I was a kid didn't really have structure, right? Because mm. it was supposed to be extreme metal. So they were just doing like whatever the fuck they wanted and it was crazy, which it still is. Um, but that was something that we kind of had in mind with Carcosa, especially again, Johnny had in mind where he was like, well, I want there to be a hook or a chorus or something that even if you're not super into Deathcore, like you can tell what I'm saying and you want to sing along or scream along, right? Just like things like that, where we're trying to bring in other elements that you don't see as often in Deathcore and just trying to make it a little more, I guess, accessible in a way, while not sacrificing also being heavy as fuck. <laughs> well, it is. but And I think something you, you're downplaying is the quality of the music. Like, you know, if we're looking at just absent EP unto itself, first off, the music's fucking banging, dude. Like, that EP like, was really well, you know, placed out into the universe. You know, that slam worldwide usage was really smart. The logoing, the social media use, that EP, really well done, like, musically, marketing, everything. You guys must have noticed a groundswell of momentum when that EP was released. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And yeah, definitely. I mean, especially going from Galactic to Carcosa was just like a night and day difference. And I, you know, we were, I don't know about the other guys, but I in particular was so fucking nervous before we released that album because like we put so much work in the background before we released it. Because like I said, that whole EP had been done since like 2019. And we were just sitting on it, you know, planning every single detail of the release and everything from, I think it was like November 2019 to, I guess, June is when we released our first song. So it was so long of just sitting on this music, trying to figure out what we were doing and what's the best way to do everything. And I'm really glad we did all that as hard as it was, because I really just wanted to get that shit out there as soon as possible, because I was really excited about it. But the longer we sat on it, the more nervous we got. And it was just so rewarding releasing that first song, especially a flag and just seeing the response to it was like fucking amazing. Like I have never, or I had never experienced anything like that before as a musician, at least, you know, especially not with original music. So yeah, it was, it was mind blowing, man. And I still can't really believe it when I go look at the music video and see it has like you know two hundred thousand views or whatever i'm just like man that's fucking insane like that's never happened for any original music of ours ever so yeah it was just like so nerve-wracking but so rewarding when we finally uh got it out there it's also it an interesting thing because we're talking 2020 you know no no one's really releasing music or did release music in 2020 nobody had the avenue to get out and tour a lot to kind of support the right. release. Um, there, there also must have been nerves towards that for you guys. Um, yes and no. To be honest, we kind of thought it might actually benefit us, which I honestly think it did because, you know, we weren't really a band that relied on touring in the first place anyways, like with Galactic, I mean, right? Like we didn't really 
tour that much. So we're fortunate in the way where I was like, okay, well, even if we can't tour and play shows, like I literally make almost all of our videos or at least, you know, not the, not the main music videos, but like any subsidiary content, like playthroughs or vlogs or whatever. Like I was like, I make all that stuff. Um, you know, and we had a good team of people who were helping us with the music videos, like shout out to Connor Gilkinson and the guy mixing our music. So like we have all these like local people um, who were able to help us consistently create content. So we weren't really that worried about not playing shows because we knew that we were able to just keep making stuff, whether we could meet up in person or not, because we can all record, we can all send our stems, we can all get our work done, like whatever, right? So in that way, I think we were almost benefiting because there was a lot of bands who kind of took the past year or so off of doing music or, you know, they paused their new releases or whatever the case may be. So I think it actually made it less competitive for us. And I personally think that probably helped us a little bit. Yeah, I think it did too. Um, But, you know, it's interesting that Anthology is coming out probably roughly a year um, mm-hmm. since absent, you know, anthologies. Exactly a year. Is fact. it exactly? <laughs> Fuck. <Yeah>. Branding. <laughs> uh, smart move. Um, <laughs> August 19th, it comes out, you know, yep. when you get absent out, I mean, do you, it seems like you guys didn't waste any time and you're back to writing again. So, I mean, what was the period like from releasing absent to kind of writing and recording anthology? Um, okay. So like I was saying, Absent was all done in 2019. So we actually ironically only recorded one song in 2020, which was Devoid, um, which we released as a single, I think like November, 2020. Um, and that was, it's funny because that's literally the only song we wrote all 2020 (laughs) because everything else was already done. Um, but right after Devoid, we were like, okay, well, you know, again, since touring and playing shows isn't a thing, we got to make more content. And the best way to make more content is to have new music because people want to hear new music. We can't just keep writing these same five or six songs for another year, obviously. So um, we ended up doing anthology in kind of a weird way where basically vermin was completely written by johnny he just wrote that entirely by himself and then desensus was written entirely by cooper and then the three of us collaborated on hypnos and um then there's two other like kind of transitional tracks that i think were also written by cooper and johnny so i actually wrote almost none of the new stuff um because i i kind of find that i flourish and do a lot better when we actually can meet up in person to write. But mm-hmm. in Canada, we were basically went into lockdown 2.0, at least that's what I call it. Um, literally the day after we shot the music video for Devoid. Mm-hmm. So like we released this brand new song and music video, and then we immediately go back into lockdown. So we're like, fuck, <laughs> all right, well, we can't do anything again. But then at the same time, we, you know, we waited a couple of weeks or a month or whatever, and we were kind of like, okay, well, maybe the lockdown will end and we can meet up and record. And as time went on, it became very obvious that that was not the case. And our second lockdown actually ended up being longer than our first one. So, you know, Johnny and Cooper had basically written these songs entirely already. And I was like, okay, well, these songs are fucking sick. So like, whatever, it's fine that I don't have anything 
on them because I still love the songs and I'm, I'm definitely more than proud to release them because I, I love them. Um, and then we were able to meet back up, I think starting in like March or something like that. And that was when we kind of wrote that very last song, which I was actually able to do with the boys. Um, so it was a little bit of a weird process this time around where we kind of had to write mostly remotely and you know Cooper and Johnny were sending me stems and then I would kind of like retrack them on guitar just to make everything like consistent and then we would send all the stems to our guy and it was kind of fucked up but we made it work <laughs> the other thing about an anthology which we haven't mentioned is that you know it's five new tracks plus mm -hmm. the tracks that have been reworked as in like revitalized reduxed I think's the phrase you guys are using from mm -hmm absent so what's the reason and thought process to um redux those tracks from absent um well there was a couple of reasons so on the one hand you know people really liked absent which is awesome but we didn't really know how that ep was going to do so we didn't really do a lot of prep with like merch and physical releases um and we know that you know, we noticed that a lot of people wanted like vinyls and CDs and stuff like that of Absent. So we were kind of like, okay, well, why don't, you know, instead of just releasing the exact same thing we've already released, why don't we spice it up a bit and make it a bit more interesting? Um, so we kind of had the idea to redo the five songs, but with an added guest vocalist on each song, because we were like, okay, well now, you know, there's something a little bit new about it. And obviously, in addition to that, from a promotional standpoint, we're like, hopefully, you know, fans of the artists we have featured will will find us or, or listen to us. So there's that, too. Um, and then, you know, we were like, well, we can either just release a new EP, which is what the first half of Anthology would have been, or we can just combine them together and release it all at the same time. And then we realized, like, oh, hey, all of our anniversary dates are coming up from Absent. So for example, June 30th was the day we released a flag. So we were like, well, why don't we just release a new song on the same day the next year, along with the Redux version of a flag on the exact day of the anniversary. And then from there, it kind of went into this big marketing strategy. Uh, shout out to our, our manager, Brad, for this as well. He came up with a lot of these ideas. And yeah, that's kind of the reason it was, it was basically like a, you know, three, three main reasons. One was like, you know, let's get some new fans, hopefully from, from the fans of the bands that we are featuring on these songs. Number two, people want the vinyls and the physicals. So let's make it a little bit sweeter for them. So they're not just buying the same thing they've already been listening to for a year. And number three was, you know, it, it just seemed like a better way for us to release new music that was just more interesting. Cause I've seen a couple of bands do this where they will re-release material, but I don't know if I've ever seen a band re-release it, but with added guest vocals. I think there was one band that did it, but I can't remember their name right now. But yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a, a little more interesting of a way to do it rather than just being like, oh, here's the same thing again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I don't think I can remember it. I know what you mean. A lot of people like remaster or remix or like beef up mm -hmm. the production. That can be pretty common, but... You know, yeah. having like, you know, the the same EP but bro down vibes and a beefed up mix on them is fucking very fucking rare. I know someone mm -hmm. that's listening to this is going to send me now an email that's going to have all the <laughs> fucking ones that have done it, but 
it's exciting. You don't see it anymore. I mentioned to Johnny that the reason I got excited is, you know, I like Carcosa, but then I like all these bands. And as yeah. as an old school, you know, metalhead, it reminds me of Soulfly Primitive. Soulfly oh, Primitive okay. had Soulfly and then all of these fucking guest appearances. I used to love seeing guest appearances and it became a bit yeah. of a dirty thing, but I love it. You know, you got Kyle from Brand of Sacrifice, yeah. Ricky from, um, of course, old school Suffocate days, but now of, yeah. of Sulphur, Tyler yeah. from Left to Suffer, Jake from Reflections, Chad from Frontieria, and Johnny's girlfriend on it as well. So, yeah, yeah. dude, it's fucking sexy. Very well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad people seem to be down with the idea. I don't know, man. I just thought it would be a little more interesting than releasing just the exact same thing we've already done, right? Oh, it's fucking very, very smart. And that's the thing. You know, it leads me into my next thing about Carcosa is you guys seem to kind of be thinking outside of the box in many senses. You know, um, the yellow and black thing seems to be on everything. So you're kind of going mm-hmm. down a specific and intentional like color theme which is great yeah um your logo is a certain way that's great you know Mm -hmm. it's these little choices while some listeners or fans mightn't realize why they're done i think it's very smartly done and the reaction is what you deserve you're reaping the reward for this these little things you're doing along the way i'm excited for you man Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I, I always appreciate hearing people who who get the the marketing and branding because it's definitely something that goes a little unnoticed sometimes. So it's it's great to hear that you're a fan of that as well. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, it's not hard to do. I mean, no, it is hard to do. Sorry, because, <laughs> um, you know, it's something that takes the time, the effort, and there's a reason for it. Um, and since it is hard to do, that's why not a lot of bands do it. They think, oh, it's not necessary. It's too much effort. So it's fucking sick, man. I mean, it's just like another, like how, how can you make your band stand out, right? Like anything you can think of to differentiate yourself is always a good thing. Like I know some, some people get really hung up on like, oh, well, our music should speak for ourselves or we don't need gimmicks or whatever. And it's like, sure, fair enough. But you're also like... It, it, you're certainly not hurting yourself by by doing things slightly different to to try and stand out. Like it's not a bad thing, you know. No, and we got to remember we're in 2021, right? So the yeah. ind- the industry has evolved, it's changed. Attention spans are smaller, um, and grabbing someone's attention in general is a lot more important. You know, you need to take yeah. your time out. Um, so I think it's smart. And this leads me down to this, like you mentioned it way back at the start. You know, you're also a band that's willing to um, jump into things like the TikTok realm, Um, Mm. which, you know, some people say it's cringe and some people say it's weird. But like the Mm -hmm. breakdown call out pickup lines, I think is like a genius mistake. Like it (laughs) basically, yeah. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have meant to have got to the stage it has. But that's old. Like, that's about quite old, a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, yeah. it's now circulating. That's great. Mm-hmm. Brings attention to you guys. Brings attention to your YouTube. Brings attention to your music. Fucking do exactly. it, man. Run with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and the, 
it's kind of funny too that's why i said earlier what i said where i was like well even you know i've been around on youtube for a long ass time too like i remember when being a youtuber was very looked down on and very cringe so everyone who's scared to make a tiktok right now i'm like okay but i guarantee you in like a couple of years everyone's gonna fucking have one so <laughs> like it's not a big deal like just do it and then in a couple of years nobody will care anymore or not nobody will care but nobody will think it's cringe because everyone's going to be doing it like i don't know it, it's just funny man like the internet is like that anything new is always bad and then after everyone starts doing it everyone's like oh okay well i guess it's actually pretty cool <laughs> yeah so, I, I think I, don't know. I think part of it is the 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 fear of evolving and things changing which i'm sorry ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen but things have to evolve and change like mm -hmm. you know it's a natural progression music changes yeah, like fuck look at the 80s yeah well and i mean it just makes sense right it's like well fuck like that's where all of the kids right now are on tiktok right like any any younger person probably has a tiktok and it's like well do you want that entire audience's attention then you should probably go where they are like <laughs> you're certainly not going to convince a group of you know 16 year old kids in high school right now to join facebook like they don't give a fuck about facebook you know what i mean so why we, why are you trying to convince them to change their behavior rather than just making something that's easier for them to find you fuck. like yeah. That's so much easier than trying to convince thousands of people to change their minds. Like, why don't you just do your thing differently? Then you only have to change your own mind. <laughs> and oh, I think that the, the phrase is adapt or die. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Um, I love it. And I think it's the videos are funny anyway. So if anyone that says they're fuck, anyone says they're cringe, I'll fucking fight you. I'll fucking fight you. Um, <laughs> I mean, even if they are cringe, I, they're supposed to be. Like, they're yeah. just stupid videos. Like, we make them in, like, half an hour, <laughs> and people like them, and they're funny. And I'm like, cool, we made, you know, thousands of people laugh today. That's fucking awesome. Ten people said it was cringe. Eh, that sucks for them, I guess, but oh well. Well, that, those ten people still watched it, though. Exactly. And yeah. they still made their money, so it's great. Um, You know, with Anthology coming out, August 19th, another plug, August 19th. Um, you know, and the world is starting to slowly but surely open up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what in your mind, um, obviously you won't be able to give any details of, of that such, but what in your mind is going forward for either the rest of this year or the start of next year for the band? Are you going to start getting into a live setting? Because you haven't been in a live setting. Yeah, I mean, that's so fucking weird to think that we've never played a, sh a live show still but it's true um we definitely want to start playing live um without giving away too many details we've definitely taken some steps to making that happen um behind the scenes i won't say exactly what it is just because it hasn't been announced yet um so that'll kind of help us to get out there a little bit more in the near future with that being said, though, like I, we still don't really plan on being like a full time touring band or anything like that. Um, you know, like my for, just for myself, even like uh, my full time thing is, you know, making videos at home. I have a fiance. I have now I have a house to pay for. Like, I, I don't really want to be, you know, touring on the road like six to eight months a year. It's just not something that interests me. Um, sorry. But with that being said, I do love playing live and I would like to go out and see more of the world. So I think what we want to do 
is kind of do like a best of both worlds situation where we just go on like maybe like two tours a year uh you know or maybe just like festival appearances or something like that like that would be like my ideal scenario and that's what i'm really hoping this band can do um and i know the rest of the guys think that we should do that as well so hopefully that's what's going to happen um and also for for johnny i'm sure he mentioned this too but you know he's also already going to be touring full-time with angel maker so Mm. we also have to work around their schedule anyways as it is and i don't know man i can't imagine being in two full-time touring bands so i can also assure you that i'm i'm sure johnny is more than okay with just doing a couple of tours a year with us <laughs> well i mean it, it's good that you guys are being smart you know that i think bands don't always have to tour non-stop so you know you're still yeah. going to get out there and you're going to make those shows that you do more worthwhile which also means that because fans know that you're not playing you know, 300 days of the year that mm. they will turn out because, you know. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> it's important. Now, one last question before we wrap things up. And that sure. is, you know, clearly you're a band that don't pause when it comes to writing music. You know, there's no issue with writing music. So, I mean, are you, are you the kind of band that's already starting to demo and stem new stuff? Uh, yes, definitely. Right before we got on this podcast, Johnny literally sent a brand new song to our group chat. So yes, Ooh. we're working on new stuff again. <laughs> Ooh, Nickelback covers? Uh, maybe. Our manager keeps trying to convince us to do a cover of this song called Black and Yellow by yeah. Wiz Khalifa. You know the one? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because he's like, dude, if any band is going to do it, it fucking has to be you guys. And he's trying to convince us to do that. So if we do any cover, it'll be that. But <laughs> Is that Brad that's trying to get you to do that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. by the way, and just real quick on Brad as well. Speaking of, because we talked about Brand of Sacrifice a bunch, Brad is also the manager of Brand of Sacrifice and a bunch of other bands as well. But that's how we kind of, you know, ended up, hiring him and starting to work with him is because we we clearly saw the massive success that was brand of sacrifices lifeblood album and we were like yo if this is the guy that you know helps them do that like we should definitely fucking work with him and he's been an absolute joy to work with so shout out to brad man well it also probably helps that he's damn dreamy yeah he's he's (laughs) yeah and um, and he is you know you know solid down-to-earth dude he's nice genuine and as you said fucking killer at what he does um he's a very smart guy he'll he'll lead you to believe that he isn't but he he is whether he believes it or not he is brad you're very sexy um i'll make out with you whenever (laughs) you want um right now andrew you get what everyone gets and that is pick your poison i don't know (laughs) don't know if johnny told you about this segment but this segment um some people love some people hate but one thing that is known is every single listener loves this part of the show so um they hang around some just to hear this they didn't give a shit about us talking they just wanted this um perfect what happens is i give you two options you pick your favorite of the two you do not need to justify your answer but you are welcome to justify your answer okay now pizza or burger Ooh. Starting off with the tough one, huh? Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with pizza because I feel like if I had to eat a burger forever, that would make me feel more sick than pizza would. Mm, good answer. Um, simple simple answer. Ribs or brisket? Ooh. Oh, shit. 
Um, I'm gonna go with ribs. Okay. Go with ribs. Uh, chicken or beef? Chicken for sure. Uh, yeah, same, almost same reason as pizza. I just feel like it's it won't make me feel as as gross after I eat chicken. What about Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Ooh, I'm gonna go with Indian because I'm half Indian. I feel like I have to. <laughs> it's kind of written in the rules. Yeah, I feel like if I didn't, it would be like a a cardinal sin or something. <laughs> um, smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth for sure. I don't think I've ever actually had crunchy, but I'm I'm just gonna go with smooth because it's tried and true. Uh, what about a cup of coffee or a cup of tea? Oh, coffee for sure. Okay. Um, soft taco or crunchy taco? Soft taco. You don't want that. I don't know why anyone likes the crunchy tacos, man. They just like disintegrate in your hands while you're eating it. They're also violent. I'm sorry. I'll f- they are yeah. violent, aggressive food. It they beat- fuck your gums up, man. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> fuck. And I know people like it, but I don't understand it. You're a fucking sadist if you like fucking yeah. crunchy tacos. Like half the toppings fall out. Like, oh. what are you doing? No, no, thank you. Um, no. can of Coke or a can of Pepsi? I will go with Coke. Okay. I drink way too much of that, unfortunately. <laughs> what about a can of Fanta or a can of Sprite? Ooh. See, normally I would say Fanta because it's way better, but in Canada, our Fanta fucking sucks, dude. So Sprite. Okay. Um, your last ever meal, are you going to have it at home or out at a restaurant? Oh, restaurant for sure. Um, new movie comes out. Do you want to see it at the cinema or wait to watch it on the couch at home? <laughs> I'll wait to watch it at home. I'm too uh, short-tempered to deal with a crowd of people in a movie that talk and eat popcorn loudly. Yeah, I also, you know, I don't have the best of bladders, so it's good to be at home. <laughs> you know, I can pause it, go. Um, and then when the wife says, oh, can you get me a snack? I can go and get the snack without missing the movie. Um, there you go. The only times I've ever yelled at anyone in public were at a movie theater because, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not my pride, not my shine, ah, not my proudest moment, but. What were they doing? Know, Something about people talking through movies. Just that's the thing that sets me off, apparently. Well, I mean, also, I don't know if anyone listening has it as well, but. You might have it in America, but we have it in Australia that everyone takes their own food to the cinema. And really, yeah, like nobody, nobody really buys the popcorn and stuff. They, oh, they, okay, sorry, I thought you meant like it was allowed oh, or something. No, 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 they um, it's not allowed, but they everyone sneak it in. Yeah, everyone sneaks it in. But okay, the, yeah, that makes way more sense. <laughs> but the thing that gets me is everyone that sneaks in the food decides to buy and purchase the most loud, aggressive sounding food possible. Um, that gets me. I can't hear the dialogue. I just hear the dude crunching on chips. I know, right? Fuck off. Like, why would I would rather just watch it at home? Yeah, don't have to deal with that. Um, next one: spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow. Ooh. Um. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I would go with the snow. I just feel like there's more activities in the snow that I. I can think of to do than in the at the beach. I don't know. Um, PlayStation or Xbox? Ooh, I've always been an Xbox guy, but the PS Five is much better than the new Xbox. Ooh, so shit. 
if we're talking current gen right now, I'm gonna say PlayStation. If we're talking all time, oh fuck, I don't know. Actually, I guess PlayStation, even though I do like Xbox controllers more. Yeah, the Xbox controllers are better, but I prefer the PlayStation actual yeah. console. That is a tough one. Um, better exclusive games for sure. Yes. Cat or dog? Um, I think I would go with dog. We have neither right now, unfortunately, but hopefully soon we'll have a dog. Now, uh, movie section, um, Terminator or Predator? Ooh, I'm going to go with Predator. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah. Rambo or Rocky? Um, I'll go with Rambo. Nice. Yeah. Um, Apparently both of the jungle ones in a row. Yeah. You got a thing. <laughs> you got a thing for the jungle deer. Apparently. I mm. didn't know that about myself till just oh, now. Oh. We're learning here, folks. We're learning. <laughs> um, Freddy or Jason? Um, oh, I never really watched those that much, actually. Um, I think Freddy, or sorry. Yeah, I think Freddy was the cooler of the two villains, but I never really got into the slasher movies. What about Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, for sure. Mostly because I think Johnny would literally quit the band if I said Star Trek. Yeah, he got, he got really upset when I said I don't like either. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I can I can respect him, but for me, yeah, not my jam. Um, so I like I'll, him, but just like all the extended backstory stuff, I'm just like, this is too much for me, man. <laughs> um, star, um, no, we've done that. South Park or Simpsons? Oh, South Park for sure. Now we're getting into the music ones. This is the okay. last. This is the last segment. Sometimes the hardest segment for people. Um, <laughs> Slayer or Pantera. People are going to hate me because I don't listen to either. <laughs> uh, I would go with Pantera because it's a little more close to what I would listen to. It's a good answer. Not so much into thrash metal, but they got Pantera's got the groove, so I can get down with that. Uh, Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Ooh, I'm sorry, but I got to go with Black Dahlia Murder on that one. Hey. Um, Metallica or Megadeth? I'm a Metallica boy for sure. What about corn or Limp Bizkit? Oh, see, this is the tricky one. Now we're all the classic ones. Easy. This one. I don't know. Um, shit. Oh, fuck. Uh, see, normally I would say corn easily, but for some reason in the past like couple of years, I've got this massive newfound respect for Limp Bizkit. Um, and especially cause our, my friends over in spirit box are touring with them right now. Shit. I'm going to go with Korn still because I think their music influences me more. But mm. Limp Bizkit's music is pretty fucking fun to listen to. It is. They're both good. The only thing, the only downside to Limp Bizkit is we have been waiting like over 10 years for a new album, something true, like that. True. Like a bit long, fellas. Um, yeah, true. Which actually, there's, there's that thing floating around that apparently the only reason it's delayed is because Fred keeps scrapping his vocals. Um, yeah, and I think he's already hasn't he also said that the album apparently is on the internet somewhere and like nobody's found it or something weird. Yes, like it might just be a fucking lie, but you know, yeah, good, good he, news talk at least, right? Yeah, well, it's clickbait, isn't it? I mean, exactly. The, the, I mean, that's that's one of the da- downsides of the industry. But yeah, he, I think he said a couple of years ago, five years ago or something, it was floating yeah. around. 
Um, I mean, Fred Durst is also just really good at stirring up the headlines, so I wouldn't be surprised if it just wasn't even true. But one way or the other, smart smart thing of him to say. And a side comment, um, have you seen that movie he directed yet? With Which one? The one with the, John Travolta. With John Travolta or whatever? Yeah. No, I didn't because I heard it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, but apparently it's that bad that I just need to see it to know how bad <sighs> it is. I don't, I don't know. know, man. Should I commit to I it? Think, mm. I don't know. Time is valuable. Do you want to lose that time forever? I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, you've just yeah, <laughs> maybe not then. Yeah, if it's that bad, I think it's got like like two percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Slipknot or Machine Head? Oh, easy Slipknot for sure. Okay, Suicide Silence or Whitechapel? <laughs> Shit, that's a tough one. Um, oh man. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Whitechapel because I think they, or their style of songwriting is more influential to me. And also I think they've had a more consistent, uh, album release cycle, if you will. Okay. Um, thy art is murder or despised icon. Damn. I feel really bad for this one because they're Canadian, but I do think I like... Oh, no, I don't know, actually. Fuck. <laughs> this might be the hardest one. I think I li- I think I listen to The Iron Murder way more, so I guess I should go with them, but Despise Icon is one of the, like, fucking two deathcore bands that does the the mixture of hardcore vocals and deathcore vocals, which I love because that's what me and Johnny do. Uh, and they're Canadian. Fuck. I, got, I guess I got to go with I Art, though, because I listen to them way more. But okay. that's that's a tough one. Interesting um, matchup. I wouldn't have expected that. Okay. Yeah, you, you got to throw the curveballs in there. Yeah. Um, next one is the last music one, and then we've got just three left or four left. Sorry. Sure. Uh, periphery or North Lane? Uh, I'm going to go with North Lane. Yeah, mm. I'm going to go with North Lane. I do love Periphery, but... Northland keeps it a bit more fresh, in my opinion. And, dude, Discovery, like, come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And Singularity, like, those two in particular, fucking A-tier, amazing. Well, apparently, their sixth album's not far away, so. That's nice. Cool. Their new stuff has been awesome, too. Marcus is such a good vocalist. Yeah, crazy. I mean, I don't know if you guys got it over there, but in Australia, the hate, the hate he got when he initially joined was... Ridiculous. Oh really? Stupid. Oh, man. Stupid. That's shitty. I don't remember. I, I think I do remember seeing it online. Um, because I mean that would have that that album they did with him was like way more singing based too. So I think people were like, oh, it's not as heavy. Which like yeah sure, but the songwriting was really good. So who fucking cares? Exactly. Um, but he seems to be accepted now, and people really like their new stuff. So that's good. He's such a nice guy. Now. You're playing a show, you know, no restrictions, no barrier, no security. Do you want stage dives happening at your show or mic grabs happening at your show? Ooh. Um, hmm. I think, damn, I don't know. I think mic grabs would be cooler. Like seeing people that know the lyrics to your shit is, is crazy. That I think is a little more wild to me than 
people jumping off the stage because you can stage dive to bands you don't know but you can't grab the mic to a band you don't know you know what i mean oh yeah good answer yeah fuck it um all right you're gonna go to a show are you watching from the pit or by the sound desk (laughs) when i was younger the pits but now i'm old and out of shape so the sound deck unfortunately unless i come out of mosh retirement for like a few select bands but it's for the most part sound deck (laughs) now um this second last one they need to exist you know together in reality but let's imagine they exist independently would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life uh well i guess the record music for the rest of your life Mm. makes sense given everything i talked about earlier (laughs) (laughs) and the last one and it is the only triple one i'm going to give you your all-time favorite album now the way i give it to you is the only way you can consume that album so do you want it on cd vinyl or on your phone okay interesting um Hmm. Uh, I think I'll just go with my phone because that's how I've listened to music primarily for the past like 10 years, I feel like. Yeah, you can I'm take not, it any way you want kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so much of like a, a physical collector anymore. Um, as for what album that would be, this is like a weirdly hard question. Like usually people know what their favorite album is, but I have like two or three. I guess it would probably be between the buried and me's colors. Ooh. Uh, which I know is weird because that's like not the type of music I play at all. But every time I listen to that album, still over 10 years later, I feel like there's something new I haven't heard before. Um, yeah, but close, close seconds would be like Protest the Heroes Kazaya or like Volumes Baya or something like that. But Ooh. I think. BT Bam would take the top spot still all these years later. It's banging album. Fucking sick album. Such a good album. Apparently they're releasing Colors too, which is super fucking random, but I'm hoping it's good. Yeah, I mean, even that Colors Live is still sensational as well. Um, Yeah, I think a band that I think not enough people give props to. Um, Well, you know, amazing. Um, But... Mm -hmm. Andrew, first things first, um, thank you. A lot of love, a lot of respect, and a lot of appreciation for you coming on the show. Thank you for just, you know, thank you for being relaxed. Thank you for being you, insightful, fun. Um, This is, you know, for me as a fan um, of your YouTube and of music that you do means the world. So um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, man. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Looking um, forward to hearing Johnny's episode too, so I can talk shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you'll be able to, say, and you'll be probably, you know, just skip to the end, and you can see how he did with Pick Your Poison. Um, there you go. But look, dude, if you ever, ever get to Australia, um, I'll take you out for some Indian takeaway. Um, Fuck yeah! But look, um, just yeah, thank you, dude. Really, again, can't yeah, say thank, thank you, so you enough. Much, man. But yeah, look, thank you. I'll let you go. I'm desperately holding on to a urination session happening. <laughs> um, look, legend. Um, and look, ever down the down the track. Um, look, let's do a part two. 
Yeah, man. Definitely let me know. And again, thank you for your time as well. I appreciate that you have good questions. It's always really makes these a lot more fun. Oh, thank you, brother. Um, look, have a great day. I'll, uh, yeah, you too. I'll stay in touch. All right. Talk to you soon, man. Uh, bye, brother.
So that was my chat with Andrew of Carcosa, and at the end there, the first track you heard was Vanta Black. Second track you heard was titled Our Scars. Both of those songs come from the band's EP titled Absent. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music or you enjoyed the conversation, now's your chance. Get online, consume it, download it, get invested in that music. If you're into physicals, get online, make sure you get yourself a vinyl or a CD. And lastly, if you're into merch, make sure you grab yourself a shirt, a hoodie, or some shorts. Whatever you got to do, make sure you support Andrew and the Carcosa guys. Now, I need to take this moment to thank Andrew again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 173, done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that We need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.